And good morning, everybody. It's really, really good to be here. Thank you for the uh, the introduction. I do know a lot of you uh, already. At least you're a familiar face. Uh, but it's uh, it's wonderful to see you. I, I, the ones that I do know, I I, I must say I, I like most of you. Uh, so we're off to a good start here. Uh, if you're visiting today, it's uh, it's fantastic to have you. Maybe if it's even your first service. When uh, I always like to to encourage you that when I when I go to other places to speak and maybe there are people that are out in the community that are here for the very first time, today is a win-win situation for you. Uh, because hopefully you'll like the service and you'll enjoy the experience and the message will speak to you and that'll be a, a, a win. But if you don't, uh, come back next week because I won't be here. <laughs> and so uh, there you go. You just can't lose today. Uh, it is very exciting for me to be in Simi Valley and it, it really does represent a, a dream come true. As already mentioned, we came to the Los Angeles area in 1989, 50 of us, and then we started planning ministries and branching out, and it took us a couple of years, but we got out to Ventura County, and we did have some small groups out here in the Simi Valley area and all that, but I believe that in all of that and all the great things that have happened, I believe this is the first time that we've ever had a worship center in Simi Valley, and that's fantastic. Um, you know, it just makes, so somebody like me who's been here from the beginning and who has had and still has a wonderful vision for what we're going to do in this part of the world, it's, it's great progress when we go to a new community. And Simi Valley is a great community. Uh, I played golf out here many times, and uh, that's all I know about Simi Valley, uh, <laughs> Lost Hills, Simi Hills. Uh, a few other golf courses around. Excuse me, I, I apologize. I, I do have a golf addiction. Uh, so I get a chance to feed it every once in a while out here. But it is great, and of course, uh, very exciting as was announced that uh, my, uh, my second grandchild uh, was born. And the interesting thing about our family as well is that for many generations now, we only produce males. It's an interesting thing. Uh, Tell me if you know a Neeland who was uh, not a male or was not married to a Neeland male, uh, if you know what I mean. And, of course, Robbie and Angela has mentioned uh, they are part of our church as well. They are up in the Santa Clarita ministry, so I am going to go see the baby there. But, you know, what? there's like, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's like 14 boys in a row that have been born. You know, my grandfather had two brothers, no sisters. My dad had one brother, no sisters. I have one brother, no sisters. I had three children. They were all boys. My brother had a, one child, was a boy, and we've had now two grandchildren that are boys. So I just want you to know, we, we like girls. We like women. We keep marrying them in order to produce more males. So uh, we're very excited. The Neyland name, whatever that's worth, is going to go on, it seems. Uh, Interesting thing as well, um, Robbie and Angela, the baby got here a, uh, a week early, uh, not too early, but a week earlier than expected. They do not have a name yet. So I'm, uh, I'm going to be going over to the hospital shortly afterwards. If any of you have a suggestion that you would like to give, uh, maybe on their way out, we get to see each other, you can suggest something. I was going to suggest Robert Reese Neelan. Uh, but it seems like that name has been used several times already. Uh, somebody asked me one time, because 
mentioned earlier, I'm the seventh, Robert Reese Nealon, and then, you know, the oldest, it's always a boy, so they named the oldest son Robert Reese, and off we go. Uh, somebody asked me one time, says, well, is, why do you keep, you know, you know there are other good names uh, besides Robert Reese, and uh, why do you keep, are you, is your family really important? And I said, no, but we've always desperately wanted to be. So uh, that's the best I can offer you right there. <laughs> so um, you've got a little program there. And so uh, I believe it will tell you at least the, uh, the title of the day of the message, What is Your Why? And there should be a question mark there. And hopefully that title makes some sense to you. What is your why? What is your motivation? for things that you do, and, and perhaps you've already figured out, I think most of us have in life, is there, there's not many things that are more important than our motivation. Uh, it turns out why is more important even than what? Because if we're motivated, if we know why we're doing something, if we're passionate, if we're excited, if we're energetic, if we have a vision, then we can accomplish amazing things, incredible things for the Lord and also in life, right? In any area of life, your why is crucial. If you're a student, it makes a difference if you're excited about school or if you're just trying to get by. In your job, it makes a difference, doesn't it? If you love what you do and if you are determined to excel and you enjoy it and you get up at the at the beginning of the day and you're excited about what you're doing and your marriage and your friendships and you know your diet or your working out or whatever it is right so it's no less significant that we ask ourselves when it comes to our faith what is our why why do we do what we do for Jesus? And if you're here for the first time, and if you're not even yet, you wouldn't even describe yourself as a follower of Jesus, this is a great day to be here. Because the best advice that I can give you is that even as you're starting out, if you're just starting out on your journey of faith, there's not much anything more important than you have the right foundation. And do you understand why you're doing what you're doing? Okay? What is your why? Now, I want to take a little, uh, a little survey here because um, I know that at least several of you have been in our church for a while now. Uh, you made me uh, measure your, your tenure in, this, in the faith and in this church in decades, maybe. Ten years, twenty years. Some of you, I, I've seen you here before. Uh, it's been a while now, right? So one of the things that I like best about our church, and there are many things I like about our church, but one of the things I like best is that when people are making their decision to follow Jesus, we have an exercise that we typically call counting the cost. We don't want people to make a shallow decision. We don't want people to make a a frivolous decision about following Jesus. It's too important for that. So what we try to do with people is we study the Bible and we help them understand 
what this is all about, following Jesus, and we try to help describe for them some of the maybe more significant challenges they might face on their, their Christian journey. How many of you uh, are part of this church and you counted the costs before you were baptized? Okay, so that's a good number here. It's just an exercise where we try to help people understand what it is. Now, here's the, here's the other part of the survey. Perhaps the, the, the counting the cost when you did it, if you did there, if that's something you've experienced, it was perhaps pretty intense, and they talked about things like life or death and relationships and what if, you know, persecution and sacrifice and, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. Now, here's the question. How many of you have found that as much as that picture was painted for you, that in following Jesus, your experience has been, it's actually even more difficult than they knew, told you? How many of you experienced that? You know, I, for me, that's certainly been true. As many, many years ago, as you might imagine, I, I'm not allowed to tell you how long it is that I've been in the faith. Uh, even though my wife's not here, she, she doesn't want people doing the math. Uh, she, wants, she, she loves being married to me. She just doesn't want people to think she's married to an old man. Um, she's happy to be a grandmother. She's just not sure she wants to be married to a grandfather. But anyway, um, Mary Kay wasn't able to make it today. Uh, she's taking care of my first grandson uh, there while the, 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 baby is, uh, the new baby's in the hospital. Anyway, what was I saying? It's harder than... It's harder than we maybe even thought it would be. Now, nobody intentionally tried to deceive you. And in fact, some of the things that have happened to me along my journey, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> right? Because I might not have, you know, I might not have signed on. That might have been too much information, right? It's a little bit like being a parent. Some of you have done that before. So, uh, you know what I'm talking about. So, let's just accept the fact, this is good if you're new. Sometimes it is hard to be a Christian. Now, it's a life of blessing, and it's the best life, and none of us who have done it and put our whole heart into it have any regrets about following Jesus and the rewards in the, in the, in the next life and the rewards in this life. It's, it's fantastic, but it is sometimes hard to follow Jesus to be a Christian, that's when that question of what is your why becomes very important. That's when we have to go back. So let's go to Mark, and I believe the text for today is in your, in your little program there. We're going to go back to the very beginning of, minute, of the ministry of Jesus, and for some of you here, this will be a, a familiar story, a familiar text, but I want to ask you, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, and if you have a Bible, that's great, otherwise you can just look uh, on the, the handout there that you have. I want to ask you to consider trying to read it like it was the very first time, even if you read, and try to put yourself in the story here. That's a great way to get the most out of the Bible. So this is the very beginning. The ministry of Jesus 
is beginning in the New International Version, which I'll be reading from. The sort of description of this is the calling of the first disciples, the first people who followed Jesus, became Christians as it were. And it says in verse 16, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Some of you know this Simon, also known as Peter. His brother Andrew, fisherman. Jesus says, come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee. There's a name that my grandson, Zebedee. I think I'll suggest that. To, no, 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 okay. I won't. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So, I have a theory. Mark is interesting. I've been uh, reading through Mark. I've been preaching through Mark in my own ministry. Mark is one of the four uh, writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote about the life and ministry of Jesus. And you may or may not know, Mark was the very first one that was written. Uh, Mark was, uh, for 10 years, uh, it was the only, if you lived in that day, it was the only version of the life and ministry of Jesus that those first Christians would have had. For 10 years. And so Mark, I don't know how you feel about Mark, if you've read any of them. A lot of people would say, can we be honest, that it's their least favorite of the four. Uh, Mark is very direct. He's very succinct. And Mark leaves out a lot of details. Uh, you know, my, uh, my theory is, I don't know for sure, is that Mark was married. Because he's like a lot of husbands. He leaves out a lot of details. And I don't know if you're married, if it works that way in your family, but I frequently find that in my description of my day or my description of events that have occurred where my wife was not present, she is frequently dissatisfied. <laughs> and it seems that there's information that she needs and wants that I have not provided. And even after several attempts, I have still not successfully provided the uh, information that's needed. Do you know what I'm talking about, Joe? I'm trying to help you, and I'm trying to relate to uh, perhaps some of the other marrieds in the audience. But if you know anything about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot more to this story. And, and I'm actually kind of glad, because if you just read it and took it at face value, it seems actually one of the stranger stories of the Bible. Because it seems like Jesus just showed up, and these guys didn't know Jesus, and he just randomly said, hey, stop what you're doing, come follow me. And, you know, and then that was just uh, on their way. But that isn't what happened. John came along later, and he, he actually describes the first time that uh, he met these four guys. And it was, you may, I don't know if this surprised you, it was nine months to a year earlier. He had a relationship with these guys already. Then also Luke's account, there's a great account in Luke chapter 5 of all the details surrounding this event. And some of you that read it, you may know it or you may not, but on that particular day there was a huge crowd following Jesus and the crowd was so large that 
he asked these uh, fishermen if he could get in their boat and row out a little bit from shore to get a little space between him and the crowd. He preached the rest of his message from shore. And then he let, said to the guys, hey, let's go out into the boat for a catch. We fished all night, didn't catch anything. Oh, let's go ahead and do it anyway, Jesus says. They decide to catch more fish. Boat overflows. Peter goes, you know, you are obviously not just an ordinary guy and you know, you must be Jesus, the Lord and Savior, and I'm a sinner. And, you know, there's, there's a whole story here, right? But Mark left a lot out. But I want to show you, perhaps there's even a good purpose. It's great that we have all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because we put them all together and we can get a fuller picture of who Jesus is. But perhaps there was even a reason that Jesus, that Mark did that that'll help us today. I want you to go back and look at this text. The first people who followed Jesus, what was their why? Mark puts it in the most basic, succinct, brief, which also is another way to say succinct. I'm looking out for you, Joe. Because I thought maybe when I said succinct, you didn't get it. So... Anyway, so there you go. He says, simply, boiling it all down. Do you see that? Verse 17. Come, follow me. In my Bible, I have the word me underlined. In my Bible, I have the word me circled. Same thing with the other guys. He called them. And what does it say at the end of verse 20? They followed him. Hopefully this is not too simple for you. But the call that Jesus made, the call to be a Christian, was always about following Jesus. That was their why. Jesus was the reason. That's who they were following. They, followed, they made a decision to follow Jesus. Don't let that be too obvious for you. It's a big deal. What if we all made it about Jesus? What if we made our faith about Jesus? You know, even this text is so interesting because if you've been a part of our church for a while, we use Mark 1 verse 17 frequently in our study series that we do to help people understand what it means to follow Jesus. And we use it in an accurate way, and we use it in a good way. And it says, come follow me. And then Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. But when we frequently study the Bible with our, our friends, we make it all about, see, what Jesus wants us to be is fisher of men. Right. Now, that's true. And it's a great way to use that. And I hope... If you're out here in Simi Valley, the reason we got a worship center in Simi Valley is so you can be a fisher of men. And you can bring your neighbors and your friends and your co-workers and everybody out here. But if you think that that's what this scripture is about, you've missed the main point. Notice what it says. It says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what does the next verse say? At once they left their nets and became fishers of men. Does it say that in your, you know, it doesn't say that in mine either. 
No, the decision they made was to follow Jesus. Yes, they became fishers of men, but they decided to follow Jesus. And if you go here, it's a great place to start. But if you go through the rest of Mark, and you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, always Jesus said, come follow me. But you know, this is why it's important for us. And I, I want to speak especially to those of us who maybe have been in our church for many years. Many of us started with Jesus. But along the way, we got distracted. We got detoured. Yeah. We lost our way. There's probably some people here today, and the message that you need to hear more than anything else is you need to go back and to hopefully where you started, and if it's never been about Jesus, to make your faith about Jesus. Because that's going to make a difference. Jesus inspires. Jesus amazes. Jesus moves us. It's, it's hard to be a Christian sometimes. It's much easier if you're following Jesus. Is that too obvious for you? Let me make sure we're really clear about this. Some of you are going to relate to this in a very personal way. I love the church. The church is the plan of God, the family of believers, the community that we enjoy here. And where would we be in our, our faith and our growth if we didn't have each other to help each other? And there's a reason we come together, and there's a reason we meet in small groups, and there's a reason we have midweeks, and this is the plan of God. I love the church. I love the church, but I don't worship the church. I worship Jesus. How many people's faith has been damaged because they made it about the church and not about Jesus? I love the leaders in the church. Do you love the leaders in the church? I hope so because I am one of them. Again, in the Bible, before Jesus came and after Jesus came, how can you miss it? The leaders of God's people were always vital and needed and part of the plan and the opportunity that leaders have to, to take his people, God's people to, 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 to greater, greater glory in this world and to growth and progress and victory and all that is, is awesome. I, I love the leaders in the church, but I don't worship the leaders in the church. I worship Jesus. How many have been deflected in their path because they made it about a leader in the church and that leader disappointed them in some way or let them down and their faith was damaged, if not destroyed? That will only happen if you forget your why. 
What is your why? It must be about Jesus. I love the purpose we have in the church. Mark 1.17, part of that. Be a fisher of men. If you've been doing this in a while, it's one of the things that makes our life here so rewarding. The opportunity that we have to help other people find salvation that we have found and that they can be saved and their ability for others to be saved can multiply. Can you imagine how much richness there is in my life being a part of this for 25 years in, in Los Angeles that started with 50 of us? It's now over 6,000 members and over 8,000 on Sunday morning and growing. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm a part of that. But how, can you imagine, and you know what that's like. A lot of you know what that's like. Just yesterday, we went down to the beach, and uh, we baptized a teenager, made his decision to follow Jesus. If you don't understand the significance of baptism, it's a point in time when you make that decision to follow Jesus. This teenager was the son of uh, Kevin Kawai, who was baptized in our campus ministry that we started at USC in 1989. His son Dallas was baptized. You know, that's, it's just, you just can't describe it, how that feels. And others of you have had that experience, people who became Christians in this church, in this ministry years ago, and then you maybe got married here, and then you raised children here, and then your children are part of uh, find salvation. And, you know, for somebody like me now, I'm dreaming for my grandchildren. I dream for my children. I dream for my grand. It's so rich. I love our purpose. I love our purpose. But I don't worship our purpose. I worship Jesus. Do you see where we're going here? I, I, I just think, I got to think everybody in here sees where we're going. Right? Because what happens sometimes, you're pro- how many of you have ever had the experience? You're out here sharing. I saw Joe said, you know, for those that are members here, 31 in, 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 in 31 days, right? Uh, September or October, whatever it is. August, whatever it was. Okay. So you got goals and you're sharing your faith and that can be extremely rewarding and exciting when you meet people that are open. But how many of you have spent any amount of time sharing your faith and reaching out, and it, you go for days or weeks at a time, and it seems like nobody that you talk to wants to know anything more about Jesus? That can be discouraging. That could be deflating that could be depressing that could even cause you to give up unless you remember your why what is your why what have we made it about Jesus is there an expiration date on your faith thank you that was a good answer do you know what I mean by an expiration date, right? And if you don't, I'm just going to give you a little education here. So in your refrigerator, there's food there. There's canned goods. There's produce. 
and it's actually required by law that on that package somewhere, if you can find it and if you can read it, <laughs> frequently the print is so small, but there's an expiration date. And so if you eat that food after that expiration date, it's no good. Right? What I'm concerned about is, for all of us here, if we don't make it about Jesus, there's an expiration date for your faith. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next year. But there's a day coming, if you don't make it about Jesus, when it's going to be so hard, and it's going to be so challenging, and you're going to be so disappointed, and you're going to be so discouraged that you'll give up. And how many of us have friends that we love deeply, and we still love deeply, and we've seen them make horrible decisions and walk away from their faith, and we want them to come back, and we need to keep embracing them and doing everything possible. But the truth is, there was an expiration date on their faith. And you know, if you talk to them, and you've done that, right? A lot of you have been around the church. You talk to them, Jesus is never the problem. The people who leave, they make it about the church. They make it about the leaders in the church. They make it about the ministry style, maybe. You know what? I get it. Do you get it? I get it. I wouldn't still be here if it wasn't for Jesus. The most painful time of my life was in 2003 when I was part of this church. Worst time of my life. Now, if you were here in 2003, then you know that not only was there this huge change and evolution that was going on in our fellowship that actually needed to happen, some needed changes and all that, and so that was painful, though, because when you make big changes, that's painful. But even more than that, for me personally, you may or may not know what I'm talking about, there was a very prominent family in our church, a very prominent family in, their, in our ministry, who in a very public way wrote and distributed a lot of false information, slanderous lies about me and my character in a very public way. People that I thought were friends. People that I had known for, I guess at that time, I'd known them for uh, 25 years. It's horrible. I was barely hanging on. You know the only reason I hung on? Because of Jesus. If you were here, the church at that time was so disappointing. The leaders in the church, so disappointing. And I was part of that church. I was part of that leadership. And I felt it, but I also felt like I experienced it.
What have we made it about Jesus? So I have, uh, I'm looking, this is, I'm not checking my text or my email. This is the only, uh, the only clock or watch that I have. I asked Joe why you didn't have a clock back at the back there because for some reason they thought that was very important in my own church to have that. Uh, so anyway, trying to be, trying to be considerate to you. So I want to ask some of you that have been a part of our church for many years. And so a lot of you, some of you I've known for 10, 20 years, and maybe going back to the beginning of when we started this congregation 25 years ago, or maybe I knew you from some other place somewhere else before you moved here. So hope take this in the right way. Why are you still here? It's a good question to ask. Because sometimes you might be still here just because well, this is my church, and this is where I've been for so many years, and, you know, uh, all my friends are here. That's good. It's good. But is it still about Jesus? Are you too busy trying to find yourself? What I mean by that is, and I'm a, I'm a big believer that we all need to examine our, our life and our history, and I, I believe in professional counseling. I especially believe in professional Christian counseling. I personally have been uh, who I am and why I'm the way I are, am and are and, <laughs> you know, who I can be next. And, and why do I do that? It's not because I feel like I'm, I would like to help remove, if you have a stigma about that, I'd like to help remove that stigma because I think for me, and, and if you've done that as well, it's all about being the best version of me that I can be. That's what I do. So I think it's important. It's important to read, and it's important to look at yourself. To understand this in the right way, there's so, something more important than trying to find yourself. It's trying to find Jesus. Are you following me there? got a couple more questions for you before we close. I, I wrote the questions down just so I wouldn't forget them. If we're honest with each other, how many of you have ever been bored spiritually? Can be honest about that? In our church, right now. I mean, not last week. I mean, today. Let me tell you, as somebody who's been in our church a long time, perhaps I would say probably longer than anybody here. Again, I'm not allowed to tell you how long that's been, in case you get that word back to my wife. I have been to, I'm going to be honest with you, I have been to a lot of boring church services. I've heard some very mediocre song services. I've heard announcements that went on and on. <laughs> that never ended. And the person who was giving them didn't even seem to be trying to make it interesting. Right? I've heard communion talks that made no sense. They didn't help me think about Jesus. They took me away from Jesus. And I have heard 
some terrible sermons in our church. Some boring service sermons, and, and that's just the ones that I preached. Right? I mean, you know, it's really bad, you know, when, when you're up here speaking. And I've been here, and I go, you know, I am boring myself right now. And I'm pretty sure I'm boring everybody else out here. Now, as important as it is to make every effort to make our worship experience dynamic and our messages from God's Word powerful, you know, I, I could put up with a few boring church services. You know why? Because I made it about Jesus. Even in the worst church service ever, and maybe it's today, if you're trying to make it about Jesus, you're going to find a reason to be encouraged. Your soul can be stirred. Your heart can be moved. Your life can be changed. If we make it about Jesus. So last question. Will you invest in Jesus? What I have figured out more and more as the years go by. And that's one of even the reasons that I'm preaching through Mark in my own home ministry. And that's where this message came from and where it started from. I'm, I'm preaching through Mark. And, and at the title of our message series... And I'm not really quick when I go through the Bible. I'm just going to be honest with you. We've been in Mark for a year now. But the title is In Search of the Real Jesus. Why? Because I don't think for me or any of you, no matter how long you've been in the faith, that you ever really figure Jesus out. There's always more. And every opportunity to, to go deeper with Jesus and to understand him better and to See him more clearly is an opportunity for me to grow and find more inspiration and more motivation and more reasons to go on when our church and our experience seems to be sometimes so disappointing. You think, this is not too blunt, is it, Joe? I just want to make sure. Please come back next week. I won't be here. Okay, last thing. So Joe may remember this. When I preached this sermon the first time in my home church, I was very excited about it. I, I get excited about the Bible, get excited about Jesus, sharing about Jesus, trying to help people with Jesus. And I thought that I had this inspiration literally moments before I walked out the door to go give my sermon. I, I study all week, Joe. Why am I keep talking to you? Uh, but anyway, uh, Ivan, I study, I study for my sermons all week, so I don't get up on Sunday and start figuring out what I'm going to say. But I always invest several hours on Sunday just to just pull it all together and sort of, you know, get it, get it all warmed up, you know. And, and so this particular Sunday, April the 12th, 2015, not so long ago, right? I just got out my computer and I wrote a personal letter to Jesus that I shared at church that day. And the title of this is Why I Am Still Following Jesus. So this is my personal letter. I'm going to read it to you. It may or may not mean anything to you. 
You may or may not relate to it, but uh, here's my personal letter to Jesus, because I want to make it about Jesus, and I want you to as well. I was barely 23 years old when I decided to follow you, Jesus. See, that's why I didn't tell you how long I've been a Christian, because I knew I was going to tell you I was baptized when I was 23, and then you'd do the math, because some of you are bad-hearted people. Anyway, you got a pretty good idea. He's a granddad, he's planted the church here 25 years ago. All right. I was barely 23 years old when I decided to follow you, Jesus. It was just the right time for me. I felt the emptiness of my life so deeply, and I found a large group of people who loved you and were serious about following you. Their lives inspired me and gave me hope for my own life. I had never seen that before. I think you had something to do with that, Jesus. No, I think you had everything to do with that. It seemed almost too good to be true, and I wondered if it was. I'm sure you remember the hours and hours I spent looking at the evidence to see if I could have a real faith in you, Jesus. Thank you for providing all the reasons I needed to believe. Thank you for providing all the reasons anyone needs to believe. You lived and you died on a cross for me. You were raised from the dead so I could also live a new life. That's why I'm still following you. Of course, many years have passed now. More than anything else, it's been a life of joy and blessing. But it has also been just as challenging as you warned me it would be. Perhaps I should say even harder than I thought it might be. If I'm honest, most of the difficulty, most of the time the difficulty is within me. My own struggle with sin, insecurity, and selfishness. Even so, you keep loving me even when I have fallen and disappointed you. Instead of condemnation and retribution, you offer me fatherly discipline, repentance, and forgiveness. Your grace continually overwhelms me. Your vision for me sustains me. You love me even when you get very little back. That's why I'm still following you. Since I'm being honest, there have been times, Jesus, when your church has seemed to be my biggest problem. I'm not sure why, but I had thought that the people in the church would be as perfect in you are, as you are. In the beginning, it seemed that way, but it didn't last. Sin in the lives of other church members, leaders who were sometimes harsh and misguided, friends in the church who let me down, the list goes on and on. I guess you helped me with this as much as anything, Jesus, through the years. I'm inspired when I read your story how you, Jesus, loved and responded to the people in your life who were failing you. Through the years, you patiently showed me the hypocrisy of judging other people in your church who are actually so much like me. About 10 years ago, and it seemed like it would even be too much to continue as part of your church, you empowered me and strengthened me in ways I could have never anticipated. And now, when I see the imperfection of your church, it just reminds me of how wonderful and perfect you are. Other people may let me down, but you never do. That's why I'm still following you. Now I'm coming closer to the end of my days. Hopefully not soon, though. I, I did. I wrote that in there. thought it was important for Jesus to know that. Yes. You continue to work powerully in me and through me. My life 
has significance and purpose. I enjoy more and more freedom from the power of sin, from the fear of death. You're showing me how to love when I'm not loved. You're teaching me how to not care so much what others may think about me. You're still showing me how to live. You still want me even though you don't need me. You keep proving that you and your words can be trusted. You still love me in ways that I know, and perhaps even more ways that I have forgotten or missed along the way. That's why I love you. That's why I'm still following you. So we're going to move right into communion. Who's coming up? Yeah, come on up. This is a great time to have communion, isn't it? Because we've made it about Jesus, at least for this morning. Hopefully in a greater way going forward. But I want to ask you to consider doing this. I have a, an assignment for you. In the next week, I think everybody here that would choose to, I would encourage you, write your own personal letter to Jesus. It doesn't need to be long. It just needs to be, doesn't need to be like mine. It just needs to be, just take the same title. That's why I'm still following you, if you are a follower of Jesus. And write your own letter and keep it with you and maybe keep it in your Bible and focus on it. And this during, especially during the, the, the difficult times. Go back to where you started. Go back to what it's all about. And let Jesus be your why. Thank you very much. Amen.